0: I'm in love with
2: Welcome back to Open the VoiceGate for December 21st, 2021. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open VoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site and you can click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and set up a one-time recurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, RMXURIS, joining alongside, as always, Case Low and Case. It is a big week ahead of us. It is uh, Christmas week. It is the final seven days of Dragon Gates 2021. And really, all signs are to Final Gate as they try to close out this wild and kind of just a little bit weird 2021 i would say uh but how are you doing today
0: well to coin a phrase mike spears it's the most wonderful time of the year and i'm feeling i'm feeling very good i'm feeling very good about drangate of course i'm very nervous about the rampant spread of COVID in my personal life and nationally but i'm feeling pretty good and I i have a question for you off the bat obviously I treat this podcast part as Japanese wrestling analysis, part as free therapy, given that I talked about some of my anger issues last week. You keep your cards a little closer to the vest. Uh, you, You certainly have Mike Spears, the person and Mike Spears, the podcaster, and there's no fault in that. But I do have a personal question to ask you right off the bat. And that is during this holiday season, Mike Spears, have you ventured out and attempted to drink? The newest Mountain Dew flavor, the Mountain Dew Gingerbread, snapped. Has this come across your radar?
2: Yes, it did, and I have to say a couple things about it because, yes, <laughs> case I have drank this soda because <laughs> Mike's I was coming
0: in hot on this topic. I did not know you had experience with this. I'm so glad. Please, you have the floor.
2: So, I wouldn't say that I'm a Mountain Dew traditionalist. I'm not someone who's against, uh. Gimmicked flavors, especially in case you know about me in Monster Zero Ultra and how I have a running uh, best of list in my brain at all times about what is the best uh, Monster Zero Ultra. And that is uh, Paradise. That is the Kiwi flavor. But I, I'm, well, I always try, if I can, one at least like one taste of a special uh, Mountain Dew. And can I tell you that this was the worst Mountain Dew I've had in my life? I absolutely hate it. It tastes like just carbonated icing sugar that was opened, that was, that was made into a soda. And then right next to that soda, you had a can of ginger ale just open up. You didn't mix it. You just opened up and whatever bubbles came out and splattered into the ginger ale. That's what you got with this bad gingerbread cookie. I'm heated about it.
0: So that's a horrible take. Uh, I respect you. I think you're a good man. That is a horrible take. I have been funneling these Mountain Dew gingerbread snaps down my gullet for the past week. I'm obsessed with them. Because I'm from Indiana, I often think Mountain Dew hits home runs with a lot of the Chikara flavors that they do. But I think they hit a grand slam with this option. And I, I think this should be a year round option. This would become my go-to drink at a gas station in the midst of a long road trip. If it was available year round, I, this is like a 4.75 star soda. I, I can't get enough of these bad boys.
2: Oh, 1.25. And it is lucky to have that case. You know how, I, I don't know how you can like the soda. The soda really tastes like icing sugar. Like, it has no... Like, maybe it's my old man palate at this point, but I'm used to more refined beverages like Monster Zero Ultra, where I could taste... The flavors. I did not taste any ginger whatsoever. I, no, I just. I a...
0: I completely disagree. I think it's loaded with holiday cheer. I think it's loaded with the good Christmas spirit. It it feels like I'm drinking a little bit of Saint Nick's magic luck every single time I have a sip. This is a you're tremendous crazy. soda. And and what you're doing, Mike. And I hate to call you out. I hate to expose you because you know I like you so much. You are showing your age. And as we know, in this business, podcasting and professional wrestling, and apparently soda consumption, it is adapt or die. And right now, you have your feet stuck in the mud, and I have very bad news for you, my friend. Gingerbread Snapped is the future, and you need to get with it.
2: Let me tell you about a good ginger soda, because I think what this says is that you have not had a good ginger beer or ginger ale, and that is you know, society letting you down. You think I'm set in the past. I think that you need to embrace tradition, be able to reject modernity, and you need to be able to go and have yourself a quality ginger ale. I'm not talking about your Canada Dry. Maybe Schweppes, maybe Furners. You're doing well there. But let me tell you about a little brand local to me, one called Blenheims, where you can get Blenheims hot ginger ale. And let me tell you, It burns going down, but it's the best ginger ale I've ever had. And this Mountain Dew, just atrocity. The fact that you are so high on the soda makes me wonder about what we've done for the children. It makes me wonder, like, will they experience the joy of a cheer wine? Would they understand the greatness there? Because I feel like I would take you to World of Coke down in Atlanta, and you would just go crazy over just the worst stuff now. Like, I've lost a lot of soda faith in you right now.
0: Well, first of all, twenty twenty two, if we could make Case Low and Mike Spears take Atlanta happen, if we could do a weekend in hot Atlanta, that sounds incredible. That sounds like everything elite Patreon content, if I have ever heard of it. I'm I'm going to push back on this gimmick soda that you just told me about this hot ginger ale. I don't like hot drinks. There's not a single I don't like a tea, I don't like a coffee, I don't like hot drinks. And I know my logic is dumb here. This is where I'm going to expose myself as an idiot, but I hot drinks are just too hot and everybody goes, we'll just wait for them to cool down, but they're still too hot. And then they're cold. I can never find a happy medium with a, with a, a specialized temperature beverage. I, I just, it, it's something about, and I having... know that's dumb. I know that's a really <laughs> dumb thing to say, but yeah. I stand by it. it. You got me
2: dead in my tracks with that. <laughs> to be honest, and I, I, I'm just gonna push back. Blenheim has been around for over a hundred years. Don't call this like a gimmicked up soda. The soda paved the trail so you could have your and your bad ginger Mountain Dew. What well, what's wrong with Baja Blast? What's wrong? You, you know what's with crazy? Ba-
0: Baja Blast and Code Red. It's funny you say those two because those are on the lowest end of the Mountain Dew spectrum for me. I am a loyal Voltage drinker. If anything, the Blue Mountain Dew is actually my go-to. Baja Blast is fine. Code Red, not much of a fan of. Uh, to make matters worse, and I, I guess perhaps this is your hangup on the gingerbread gimmick, perhaps you have been drinking it cold. Perhaps you have been drinking it with ice. I notoriously, if I'm drinking something in my home, do not use ice. I am a room temperature beverage kind of guy, whether it's water, a Gatorade, or a soda. So I have just been destroying these fresh out of the can, no ice needed. And I again it's been such a terrific experience for me. It has really made the holiday season.
2: Just drinking room temperature so ginger (laughs) cookie soda. That's the reason for season. Let me tell you what my favorite holiday soda is since we're apparently turned into a drinks podcast tonight. Uh it is the Sierra Miss cranberry that comes out in the holidays. That sounds great. I, I Papa Mike loves himself some cranberry-flavored stuff. Like, I just, if there's a cranberry cookie or scone, I'm all about it. Thanksgiving, you know, for those who celebrate. I don't like cranberry relish. Give me the cranberry jelly out of the can with the ridges. But the the Sierra Mist uh, cranberry is fantastic. It, th- th- that That puts me in the holiday mood.
0: Yeah, that that sounds terrific. And that's the beautiful thing about this podcast, Mike, is, you know, you you and I, two people from very different upbringings. I, of course, am from the crossroads of America. I'm, you know, a real American. I'm from the heartlands. You, you are Southerner. We have different points of view. We have different perspectives on life, but we can meet in the middle of our Venn diagram and agree that cranberry serumist is a beverage worth our times. And we can also agree that Drangate has a really big show coming up this week, don't they?
2: Yes, they do. It's the last of the Big Five shows. It is the final big show of the year. It is the final gate on December 26th, so day after Christmas, Boxing Day as well, from the Fukuoka Kukusai Center. It will be at 700 Japanese Center Time. That's 3 a.m. on the East Coast. We are commiserating uh, vo- before air about how that's just like the worst time for the, what, for the East Coast. The West Coast gets the nice midnight start time or eight o'clock greenwich mean Time, and it, it's interesting case because coming off of corkin and coming off like just how they've readjusted the titles in dragon gate in 2021 it, if this was a standard final gate you'd be getting four title matches a couple of trios maybe a giant 10-man tag and then you know just the sort of things in a special singles match here now we're in this new era where it's two tile matches, a big like post-intermission three-way six-man tag, a singles match with expulsion rules. We get uh, people from Riku Dragon. We're getting uh, what I think is a real Masterstroke just leading off. We're getting another Gut Check match as the uh, match one opener. And I just look at this card, and it, it it's in a lot of ways the crystallizing of 2021 and the adaptation and the change in the promotion kind of put on display here in fukuoka on saturday to me
0: it's a really interesting card that i I think goes to your point that it's very representative of this year also in the sense that i think it's a really high ceiling really low floor card now when this card dropped uh, last night as of the time we're recording this I was immediately excited. I love pretty much everything on this show. I think it's a great lineup. There's a lot of things that I wasn't expecting. There's a lot of matches that could go one way or another. Not a lot of things on this show are cut and dry, and I'm really excited about that. There are matches on this show, though, that you know could be great matches. Legitimate four-plus-star spreadsheet-caliber matches. And those same bouts could also let me down and they could be a disappointing three and a half stars. And that has sort of been the battle that Gate, as a company has been fighting this year, especially on their big shows. A lot of these shows have looked loaded on paper and then they just haven't delivered in the ring. Final Gate is another example of a card that looks really strong on paper. This could be a show of the year contender, much like last year's was, if everything delivers to the the caliber that I know it can. But given what we've seen this year, I'm not sure that it will.
2: Yeah, I, I think saying that there is a wide kind of just berth that the show could land in is a really interesting way to look at it because pretty much each match on this show, with the exception of maybe two of them or three, so three out, so five out of the eight matches, this is where you have that, that low floor, high ceiling just because you just have a lot of interesting questions about what will happen in ring here whereas like the opener just like talking just just looking down at the card from like just just a 10, 10 meter view we're looking off the dive board this is in the pool right now the opener that's like the one match that i'm most certain i know what's going to happen there and then <laughs> after that yeah well, there's a lot of interesting questions that will be have to be answered at uh in fukuoka i think
0: I also like from the metaphorical perspective, and this perhaps is me reading too much into things. This is perhaps a little too artsy for this promotion. Again, maybe I'm just building my own narrative, but I do like the fact that this card to me feels so drastically different from the tone of the 2020 card, given that the Toriumon generation as a unit died at that show where one year removed from R.E.D. versus Toriumon one of the best matches in this promotion's history. It's hard to believe that's a year old now. And you look up and down this card and you've got you know Yamato, a, a graduate of the Dragon Gate Dojo. He's in the main event with Kai, who was an outsider. Doi's in a big featured match. Dragon Kid is high up on the card, but most of this card is Dragon Gate Trueborn guys in big spots, in big matches. And plus, just given the nature of this promotion and how insane 2021 has been from a youth talent perspective, you have six guys on this card who weren't in the promotion last year, plus La Estrella, who had, was wrestling his third or fourth match at Final Gate this time last year. So realistically, you have seven fresh wrestlers who have either had one match or zero matches on this show in their careers. And I just think that's a remarkable achievement.
2: Yeah, and I think with all of the uh, the future revolution that's happening right now I think you like look at 2020 you look at 2021 and I think the big story about this is the fact of they kind of have the Tori Mod generation guys that they're like alright you're still going to be focal points you're still going to be massively involved in big units you're going to have like a lot of stuff going on for you But then you look at other people that were a part of it that were more part timers maybe that would still show up on the big shows. And that's just not the case anymore. And a lot of those positions now are filled out by your Takumi Hayakawas. And it, it's something that I always kind of anticipated that we would come to a point where it would not be like Ramley having Kanichiro Arai, Kanes and Super Shisa and a match one on a pay-per-view. And that's really like one of the 20 times I see them on the air. Cause they only do those in Tokyo shows, but you're starting to see like a lot of those people kind of getting supplanted by the young, Revo- the, the the future revolution students, and I think that that is kind of the the. You just look at the Torrey Mon versus Red, uh, five uh five on five match, and you look at who was in that match from the Torrey Mon side, and you look at where they are on the card, and you look at who wasn't in the match, and I think that's kind of. It just kind of tells you like where the, the promotion is headed in a lot of ways, if that makes sense.
0: I completely agree. I think it's a great thing to see. I, I love how dramatic, and this has been you know the case all year, but I love how dramatic some of these card placements feel with guys. And we'll talk about him when we get to that match, but I think there's a reasonable argument to be made that this is the biggest match of Hyo's career. And it's one of the biggest matches, if not the biggest match, of Kai's career. And there's a lot of big things up and down this card that I like. And it's not from the guys that we've seen repeatedly have big positions before. It's a whole new wave of guys that are having featured matches on this card. And I I think that is a tremendous thing. Mike, we didn't really talk about it before we started recording. But I, I think sometimes when we preview these shows, we go from the main event down I think this show builds in such a nice way that I would like to start with the opening match and then go through the main events.
2: Yeah, let's start from the opener. So this is another gut check match for the class of 2021, the future kids. And this will be available for free into perpetuity on YouTube. So they they like doing a exciting match first up to draw eyeballs. And there's few things that can be more exciting in Dragon Gate as we talked about last week than these gut check matches as it is Misaki Mochizuki, Don Fuji, Yazushi Kanda, and Kagatora facing the class of 2021, Soya Sato, Takuma Fujiwara, Ryu Fuda, and Takumi Hayakawa.
0: We've seen various combinations of all of these guys wrestling one another in the past at this point. I think the pairing that I want to look at, obviously there's the obvious, obviously there is the obvious, as I just said, with Sato and Fuji, those two showed great chemistry at Cork and Hall, and then they had a little post-match angle there with Santos slapping away Fuji's handshake. I think the other thing to look at here is the pairing of Fujiwara and Kagatora and what they can do, because obviously Fujiwara at Gate of Origin had his debut match against Kagatora, and that was a match that I thought was fine, but I believe I called that match sterile and largely unspectacular. And in the month since, Fujiwara has blown me away I think he shows so much potential now so much that just wasn't present in that debut match with Kagatora I'm very curious to see what that pairing looks like now a month into Fujiwara's career
2: yeah and I like the fact that we have these pairings so you have Mochi and Fuda you have uh, Fuji and Sato Kanda and Hayakawa I like a lot because Hayakawa can really just like just being a little guy like i i saw a tweet yesterday case not to diverge immediately as we into this and it's one of my favorite tweets and it's uh someone said like oh yeah one of my exes was a short guy and he would constantly pick fights and bars and as soon as the guy was trying to rear off and punch in the face he says oh you can't do this i'm a little guy you can't hit me i'm so small and he never got into a fight And I kind of want to see that with Takumi Hayakawa in a way, just becoming like this giant instigator. But uh, yeah, it's fascinating uh, when we talk about this class that Sato, we've talked about, already feels like he has a polish and a presence that comes with his age. Fuda is a very rough and ready problem. Kickboxer Hayakawa really is kind of singular because of how small he is. But Fujiwara was the blank canvas, And we've started to see like the first strokes kind of being added to the canvas and painted along and having him paired up again with Kagatora is going to be so fascinating to see the youngest person on the Dragon Gate roster to see how he continues with someone that, you know, it's an interesting matchup. It makes a lot of sense though, considering uh, Kagatora spent the time in Michinoku pro that's where Fujiwara did his middle school career day at. And you could see like that, if you're going to kind of build a dragon system wrestler in a way that Fujiwara kind of has the unique opportunity, to like that, he's such a blank slate that's starting to define himself, taking stuff from Kagatora is very smart. So I like this matchup a lot.
0: Let me ask you when it comes to the finish, you said that you, you felt like this was the most obvious result on the entire show. So I am assuming you're leaning towards the veterans pinning the rookie class. Given that Sato is 29, we talked about how he's likely going to be having a really expedited process up the card, not only because of his age, but because of the potential that he's shown. Is there any chance that we see Sato pin one of the veterans in this match?
2: Well, I feel like you would immediately go to Kanda, right? Like, he is the lowest-ranked person in the group, and him losing to Sato, especially considering Yuzushi Kanda's career, wouldn't be out of the question. Like, if there is a pinfall that comes from the future side i think that's the most likely one i i can't discount that out of hand but i just think that they are just going to find ways to pin Takumi hayakawa and very in ways that just look like they're squishing him for the next few months so that's why i feel like it's not very uh i, I don't think there's a lot of question with this match in that regard
0: all okay, right i think that's a very fair perspective i do not disagree i think the veterans are going to win this match as well
2: and it's something that I, I really like. Like if you were going to give me like no tie, like no dream gate into the match one spot and you gave me pretty much the rest of the card. This is pretty much like th- the kind of match that I would like to see if you weren't going to put the three way six man there. Right. Like just looking at the other six matches, I think that this was the strongest pull here. Would Was there another match you would have liked to see in this YouTube slot?
0: no i like the order of this card a lot there's maybe an argument to be made that the ahashi versus natural vibes match could have gone here astrea versus diamante kicking off a dragate show with a singles match would be fascinating to me because that almost never happens but i do like the placement of this match in the free youtube match spot
2: yeah so for those who aren't on the dragate network 3 a.m you should be able to check this out on the 26th it's was one of my, it's one of my favorite match types in Dragon Gate veterans versus rookies, and I like that they're putting it out there for everyone to see. And to That's, your point,
0: real quick, just before you mm-hmm. move on, I feel like in and maybe it's our job of not promoting it as much. There's of course an argument to be made that Dragon Gate themselves don't promote it well enough, but for all of this conjecture, all of this talk about how difficult the Dragon Gate network might be to use, please remember that their YouTube channel broadcasts every opening match for free the shows with english commentary have an english commentary version and because it's on youtube those matches don't go anywhere and this year we've seen uh, numerous legitimately great opening matches shows that have began with title matches on youtube for free that is a resource that i feel like a lot of people don't take advantage of
2: oh yeah and then also it's not their site it's the gay or site but sbk versus jfk one is now up a full production so they are doing better job about promoting stuff up there and putting stuff on youtube it's just that they don't necessarily make it as easy as possible for people outside of japan to know that it's up there now
0: have you watched the fully produced gaiora version of sb kento versus jackie funky Kame?
2: no i didn't have the time today but i really wanted to have you checked it out
0: I, I, I snuck it in right before we started recording, and I, I will make sure I will send the link to you so you don't have to go digging for it. But let's put that link to that match in the description for this episode so people can find it pretty easy. That Gyora YouTube channel is cool because they upload some current Gate stuff. They upload a lot of mid-2000s All Japan, which is not an era that I, I necessarily care a lot about, but that stuff does isn't super well circulated so it's a lot of matches that i've never seen before and they're typically pretty interesting matches so that's a cool youtube channel but specifically that sbk versus kamei match this is their first singles match from kobe in october i already thought it was one of the best matches of the year specifically in dragon gate but worldwide it's not like there was a ton better than this match this year watching it with full production it takes it up even another level so i really recommend if you watched the single cam, no commentary version on the Gate Network. Give this match a watch with the commentary and the fully produced guy feel. It is a terrific display of professional wrestling.
2: Yeah, it's something that when we start talking of wartime and not just voice, and not just like voice scape, but like looking at like the overall Voices Wrestling Match of the Year poll. Getting that up there, I know it wasn't their attention, but that's kind of hit the right time to get that match in further circulation. So for sure, I'll make sure to have that in the show notes uh second match we have punch Tomonaga teaming with riku dragon representative uh, ultra soki versus strong machine J, along with another riku dragon uh representative charami saver so we're starting to see we don't get to see the Don of okinawa here he must have some busy some business going on in the riku islands but it's nice to see that this relationship further continues on to a big show
0: Yeah, and Mask is busy cashing checks and popping bottles. That's why he's unavailable for Final Gate. He is making money moves and thus cannot make the trip to Fukuoka. I I will say up front, I am completely unfamiliar. Uh, Despite the fact that I've watched a handful of Ryukyu Pro matches this year, far more than most people on Earth, which is a terrifying thing to think about. I don't believe I've ever seen these men work. And if I have, they didn't leave an impression on me. What is your familiarity with Savor and Soki?
2: So I feel like I've seen Savor before under another gimmick. I need to check to make sure that I'm not confusing them for another person because there's just been... Because you have the fact that they're all kind of like, oh, this is the former Mill Mongoose. What a okay.
0: fantastic in-ring name. Mill Mongoose is terrific.
2: Yeah, all right. Yeah, no, I've seen Mill Mongoose before. So I've seen Trami Savor and their previous gimmick they're fine like the the gimmick is great like no that is a 10 out of 10 you could tell that this is that that Ryuki dragon is a offshoot of original Osaka pro can't you
0: yes that is a uh, very apparent in quite literally everything they do
2: <laughs> so uh i i i've not seen any ultra soki i mean you're having them with Tomanaka which kind of tells you what kind of match this will be in Strong Machine J. So I'm interested to see uh, the uh, Riku Dragon guys more in full. And then, you know, just trying to figuring out prob- uh, Strong Machine J and the problems with Strong Machine J is, gives me a headache. So I'm just going like, all right, sure. You're teaming with the Ryukyu Dragon guys at this point. Makes sense to me.
0: You know, these guys, the, uh, the two Riku Dragon guys had a singles match on a Dragon Gate show. On September 10th, 2017, this was an Okinawa show. Obviously, it did not make tape, unfortunately. And over the past few days, I've been thinking about retro content that we might be able to bring to the show. We're nearly a year removed from completing our Gate USA series. And, you know, we promised at some point we would do something else like that. And I was just thinking of possible side series we could do and i while i'm certainly not saying that this is the finished project i'm actually saying that this is not what we will be doing uh this saver versus soki match happened to take place during the five unit survival race which feels like it was a million years ago and i just had to point out the the main event on that show where they had a singles match this is september 10th 2017 shima gamma and takahiro yamamura Versus L. Lindemann, Shingo Takagi, and T Hawk. Four years later, and Gamma is the only person left in this promotion. That is hard to believe. Yeah.
2: Five unit survival race. That was Talk such about a, a
0: disappointment. <laughs> 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 what, what a bummer. This was five unit survival race, is really when I started looking at Drangate and just going, huh, do I really want to keep writing about this? almost every week, at least on a monthly basis, because even on a monthly basis, this kind of sucks right now. And, uh, I, I, five units of survival race. What a bummer.
2: Yeah. 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 I, I tried to go crazy about trying to keep up with the survival race. And then like most DG things, so many things happened on house shows. I'm like, how am I supposed to care at this point? And then the result was just a bummer as well. So just like a wild time, but you know, nice to see Saver and Soki back in the fold here. uh match three, I feel like we have a very good familiarity of it, say the first singles match on the show, La Estrella versus Diamante, and you know, after you know i I had some things to say about the D- about Estrea last week, but I think this is the right move for him after kind of you look at how his his rookie year in wrestling ended get him with someone like diamante and we know what's going to happen there and it's only good things for both guys
0: so last month when aew was on the road to full gear and that full card got announced there was a lot of talk about how the result of brian danielson versus miro would tip off the result of omega versus hangman with the theory being that if danielson won the match that Omega was clearly winning the main event. Obviously, that was not the case. And we we now have this glorious heel run from Brian Danielson. I bring this up because I need to ask you a similar question. Does the winner of this match possibly tip off the result of Skywalker versus Menorah?
2: I mean, with the idea that Estrella wins, then they're trying to make him look strong before they break up Masquerade. Is that the logic you're uh, referring But there? My,
0: my logic was actually closer to if Estrella wins, perhaps they'll try to keep him looking strong because Masquerade will continue going forward.
2: Okay. No, I see that. Uh, I, I guess I didn't really make the connection before. I was more looking at this at, as the kind of not, not like pulling back for Estrella, but getting him into his comfort zone and he could eat a Volta Finale or have like a crazy double stomp imploding <laughs> 450 again. And
0: You know what's such a bummer about that punch match is if Estrella lands the finish, if he sticks the landing, then he looks like the biggest killer in this promotion because he would have won a 50-second squash match by doing three really cool moves. And instead, and rightfully so, we're focused on the fact that he did a 360 double foot stomp onto the ribs of Punch Tominaga.
2: Which, which, to be clear, it, it's not out of Worry, Punch Dominaka.
0: <laughs> I'm but, sure Shingo probably... I, I doubt Shingo and Estrella know each other, but I'm sure Shingo, like, sought this man out online and hit him up on his Line account. It was like, hey, great work <laughs> injuring Punch Dominaka. <laughs>
2: I, I like what you're doing out there, kid. Keep it up.
0: <laughs> yeah, good work. Yeah, uh, though... It, now that
2: you brought up like the singles matches and and viewing them in concert, Diamante beating a lot of Stray, Stray has been very he's been well protected given his station. That kind of has the idea that not only you have a dysfunctional Triangle Gate team, you have you have Dragon Daya who is being very dramatic, saying don't don't come look for me, guys, uh, d- uh, leave me alone. And then you have a losing Estrella add into the mix there, yeah, that would make it look like that fortunes weren't looking too good for our masquerade.
0: Yeah, it, it's just it, it's another angle of discussing this match that I thought about. I I guess I should bring in my point that I I think Diamante is going to win this match, and I I think Drangate is going to find themselves in an interesting position with Diamante going forward, and I have to try to. Scope this thought out in a way that combines my fandom of this wrestler, someone who I've I've started to legitimately love. I think he is just terrific with the realistic expectations of a foreigner in Dragon Gate. And, and I am not sure that Diamante is on that level of obviously a Pac or a Ricochet or maybe even a Rich Swan who had a Brave Gate match at one point during his Dragon Gate run. But it does seem like if Diamante wins this, After the year he's had, where he's had six total singles matches, four of which were televised, the Great Mask versus Mask match with Shimizu, uh, a a Kota Minora King of Gate match that happened in an empty arena, a Takashi Yoshida King of Gate match from Fukuoka, and then the Shun Skywalker match at Dangerous Gate, plus, if you want to factor in the part singles match with Dragon Daya from the All Out War a few months ago, which I thought was a four-star match within a match, This is someone who, if he gets the win here, there's just a certain level of momentum that I think he's picked up, and I do wonder if, and you can certainly push back on this if you think this is entirely too unrealistic, but given the nature of a show like Memorial Gate, which is a sold show, they don't have to worry about a huge headlining match on it. Realistically, is Yamato versus Diamante for the Dreamgate belt something you could see headlining that show?
2: I think... Given how they book the Dream Gate this year, and given how well protected Diamante is, I absolutely think he can be a Memorial Gate or a low major show challenger at this point. I think that that they would usually have Gaijin like come in and make like a Dream Gate challenges out of nowhere to begin with, like uh, Pentagon Black. Not, and it's just you know, it's just been a while for it and given uh, his improvement and given the relationship that Diamante obviously has with his promotion, I could see that happening. I do wonder if that happens. That also indicates that maybe that's a farewell match for him. You know? I mean, he'll be coming up on, like, two and a half years there (laughs) full-time pretty soon. So, like, you you would have to wonder at a certain point if Diamante is going to stick around long-term and end up, like, maybe reaching that tier of pack and ricochets, you know, it, because it, he's had an interesting point in his career in Dragon gate. I would say.
0: If Diamante staying in Dragon gate for as long as he has is a result of the world being what it is, then I hope we never leave this era because I do not want Diamante to leave this promotion. I want to see him in his current form. I want to see him as a baby face. I want to see him masked. I want to see him unmasked. I want him to spend the rest of his career in this promotion i i have such so massively fallen in love with him and i you know i i talked about uh last week the sfm 50 how there are just not a lot of wrestlers in the world this year that i thought were better than jason lee well i got news for you diamante did very well on that list for me as well i i really think he was in the upper echelon of wrestlers this year given the responsibility that he was tasked with which was essentially making la astrea and i you're lower on Estrella than I am. I have faith in him that he has value on this roster, but I, I do think we've realistically seen what he could do. And I think his peak is going to be attached at the hip to Diamante, unless we really see some wild improvements from Estrella. And that's an incredible testament to Diamante. I think he's earned a Dreamgate match. I think he would kill it in that spot. I think he's going to beat Estrella here. And I think he's primed, assuming that he stays in this promotion. And I have no information that tells me otherwise that he's going to have a really big 2022.
2: Yeah, and I mean, the, the fact that he's stuck around this long, you know, would have you think that, like, maybe he is a guy that's in here for the duration. But it's also something that, you know, with Visa situations, like, maybe it's also like, if I leave, I don't know if I can get back, you know? <laughs> and he's making the best of it, which, hey, a uh, few people have made the best of it, as you were saying, as Diamante. So I would absolutely love to see the 2022 that we've laid out for him because he really has like made his bones he 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 improved himself and then he found ways to improve the roster and that's how he's made his bones in 2021 and he's gone from like we've talked about being most improved two years in a row he might be like the most underrated one on the roster at this point as well i feel like an argument could be made this year just because how valuable he has been throughout this i mean getting subjected into the Daya and Inferno feud and being the glue of the match. Like he is someone that time and time again, whenever you need someone to step up in the big spot, Diamante has been there for dragon gate for the last 18 months.
0: Yeah. In the bubble that we operated, you know, the people that parachute in this, into this promotion, who do they like? Well, they like Ata? They like Shun. They like Casey and Yokosuka. They like Ben K, They like Yamato. They like Doi. and It seems like the next step for Diamante in terms of the bubble that we operate him, uh, that we operate in is getting him to be one of those names on that list of maybe you're not watching every Kobe Sambo hall show. Maybe you're not even watching when they go to Osaka in the smaller number two arena, but you know, when a Dragon gate card is on and you're watching it, that you are looking forward to the Diamante match. Cause I, I think he has earned at least that reputation among Western fans at this point,
2: yeah, and it's going to be—he's probably, with the exception of the the whole masquerade and Naruki Doi's House of Hot Boys—he'll be one of the more interesting figures moving out of the current unit landscape into whatever the next one could be.
0: He's also someone. Uh, real quick, before we move on, I, I was looking at his title history earlier today. He has been a Triangle Gate champion twice it has zero successful defenses and that is one of those things where you know as we're going to talk about i don't think the twin gate belts are in his near future he's too big for the brave gate uh, and he's never going to win the dream gate i hope in 2022 he gets a legitimate run with those triangle gate belts i would like to see what that looks like because he's just been a transitional champion uh through the two times he's held that belt in his career thus far
2: yeah, I would be incredibly fascinated to see for him, like him getting, like his big run, like how I was all about Jason Lee getting that twin gate run of Kota Menonora. I would like to see him get that, like trademark uh, twin or trial gate run. I think that him, he's been great as a transitional guy, but it'd be really awesome to see him be able to take that next
1: step forward. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan I'm getting I was able to open an arena club slab pack and and I'll be honest it was a lot better than what you normally do say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's gonna be junk you're you you know what I mean like you know what you're probably gonna get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes I do sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards Off again, that's arena club.com/slash VOW net, arena club.com/slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: Match four is the IHashi Brothers, Riki and Ishin versus Susumi Yokosuka and UT of Natural Vibes. And you know, this this match being this high up on the card given how the Ahashi brothers have kind of been separated with from the remainder of the class of 2021, I think is kind of fascinating in the greater scheme of things as they get not a established natural vibes, tag teams, Yokosuka and UT have teams, but it's not like that they have been on any sort of like twin challenge or anything like that. But I think it'll be an interesting thing to see as the Ahashi brothers have moved from like the rookies matches, the veterans, just like the gut check matches, now going on to more, I guess I would say standard matches on the roster.
0: Yeah, the Ahashi matches still feel like a featured attraction, but it seems like we're in the dying days of that. It seems like as we hit four, five, six months of their time in the promotion that they're just about fully assimilated to the Drengate grind, to the schedule, to the guys on the roster, which puts them in an interesting predicament. They've been on the roster for three months. They've been on the winning side of a few matches, but they do not have a pinfall or a submission victory yet in their career. And I look at this match, where it is on the card, where it is on the calendar, who their opponents are, and I think they're beating natural vibes. I
2: have to say, Casey, you've been pretty optimistic with some of your predictions tonight. You've been putting some questions about some big upsets. To, uh, on the show uh what makes you think that it's going to be natural vibes here and not another team down the road for them
0: well you can beat ut and that is a huge factor in all of this uh shout out to my man ut we love you but you are someone that knows how to eat a pinfall and certainly knows how to tap out to a submission and we're we're just about at that point and and jay's brought it up on the english commentary and i feel like he's thrown it in just enough to where we're aware that this is happening, but it's not necessarily the focal point of their story yet that the Yahashi brothers have not won a match. And I I would find it to be a little bit dangerous given just in the history of wrestling, how unsuccessful losing streak type gimmicks have been. If we start the Yahashi brothers off, they're sort of elevated young lions. You know, they're not quite young boys, but we still don't treat them with the respect of a normal roster member. I would be a little wary of attaching a losing streak gimmick to them right off the bat as the first thing that they really do in their careers. And this gives you the perfect out because that first win, I don't think he can come in Kyoto. I don't think he can come in Osaka. I don't think he can come in Kobe. I think that first win has to be on either one of their big shows like Final Gate or in Cork and Hall. And this seems like the perfect opportunity to get them that first win and use that as an angle going forward to push them into 2022 and have them start the new year off on the right foot i i think that's the direction they are going to go and of course i think that's the direction they should go one of them is pinning ut here and i look forward to it
2: all right i i think that i i get your logic here the like the losing streak you know could last for only so long in dragon gate this isn't new japan where someone will lose to boston crabs for three years like you, you do have a point there. And especially with how they're touted and how they've been promoted, you don't want to saddle them with that unless you have like a unit coming up within the next month or two, like before Champion Gate, that they would put themselves into. I don't necessarily see them for Doy Gun. I don't know. Maybe it's something that I don't know if they want to go down the Mochi Dojo route again so soon, but I could see at least like Fuji with them. Cause Fuji does know Koji Shinriki pretty well that I could see like some sort of like veterans and young guys coming out of this soon. I just think that at this point, like this is not the one, the show where I'm ready to say it's about time for him to get the win yet. I would say, cause I do think you have it in Tokyo. I, I unless you're doing, unless you're having them lose for a full year and taking them to Oda city, which I don't think they're going to do or they should do. I think you're probably going to, have it at a Cork and Hall show. And I think they're still in the place where, you know, they're making a step up to facing more uh, featured roster members. And this is only their third big show. So, I mean, you look at their debut match, this is only like their second big show since that debut match. I think you're okay this time, but I do think that you're right, that you don't want to have them constantly eating falls into two, where it becomes like a legit thing.
0: I have really high hopes for this Naruki Doi hot boy stable, just because it feels like such an old school Toriman Drangate type deal. And I'm not necessarily wanting to wish this into existence, but I would love it if the Ahashi brothers were broken up because Doi decided that one brother was hot and one brother was not. I think that would be a tremendous way to get them to stop teaming with one another.
2: At this point, I feel like that's the only way you could break up brothers, you know.
0: <laughs> it's to physically, to, to legitimately insult one of their physical appearances. That's the only way you could break these two up. <laughs>
2: well, you, you were talking about matches with that Torimon feeling and units of that Torimon feeling. We're going to have a lot of that in match five. This is a trios match, Ultimo Dragon, Jason Lee, and Yosuke San Maria Jason, because of all the stuff happening on the card, is, is in the, the Ultima trios match against Ginki Horiguchi, Konamao, Ichikawa, and Sachi Hoko Boy.
0: This is going to be very fun. This is certainly more relaxed, I will say, less intense than I just about every other match on this show. This is going to be a good time. This is going to be guys being dudes. And I find the finish of this match to be absolutely fascinating because we're now at a point where you have to wonder, oh, is Jason Lee going to pin Konamama Ichikawa or is Ultimo Dragon going to pin Genki Horiguchi?
2: Yeah, I, I feel like that those are the two finishes. We've seen Ultimo's like desire to keep uh Genki Horiguchi in the world's longest lockminder's drawl. So who knows if he's going to try to set a new high score tonight. But uh yeah, it, it, it this is that rec league match that you've talked about like okay the dads are getting out on a saturday you know it, it we've just had our big uh christmas lunch and we got to move or else we're going to fall into a coma watching the nba like, like that's what this match is
0: <laughs> mike you're going to be enjoying some nba action on christmas day
2: you know uh up until nine o'clock for uh the uh rampage i probably will like it, that's usually the thing Like, unless there's any good bowl games, and there's been some wild bowl games so far this year, I usually, like, find myself, you know, getting away from the family. We're celebrating a lot smaller for obvious reasons this year, but still, you know, I'll find my spot, and Pudge and I will watch probably two or three NBA games, or at least he will sleep through it, and I will probably just pay attention very lackadaisically.
0: This is a dangerous question to ask given the last seven or eight months on this podcast, but since we have a moment, since you brought him up, can we get a health check on Pudge? How is your man doing?
2: Oh, he's great now. Uh, okay. It it was a, he had a really rough fall to kind of peel the, uh, that personal curtain that we had. Uh, I, I don't know how much I've said about it on air here. He had, he dealt with a intestinal parasite that, both the vet and I think he got from the farm that he was born on that had unclean water. So that was a reoccurring thing pretty much up until he got neutered. But since he got neutered, everything has been kind of okay. He had his birthday last week. So, you know, he's now no longer a baby. He's now just the big baby.
0: I love to hear it. Glad to hear he is in good health and uh I, I look forward to meeting you sometime soon.
2: Yeah, I feel like at one of like the VOW meetups or at like an EE thing, I'm going to do a checky line, just like someone would do at a Sarm show, but just and it's not even gonna be charged. He's like, "Do you want a photo with my dog? You can go get a photo with Pudge."
0: Yeah, no, you you could make money on this. This is a a charged meet and greet type deal. If you're gonna pay money to take a photo with Anna J, you should also take a uh, you should also pay money to take a photo with Pudge. They are uh, of the same ilk, if I dare.
2: Yeah, well, I don't have merch that he, that only he'll sign there. So, I mean, that's like the one <laughs> difference that you can't bring your own Photoshop in for Pudge to put his paw on. Uh, match six, this is a nine-match showcase. Nine matches, which, is, which feels kind of wild given their, their standard thing. This is their, their deviation from their old formula in play as we have a second singles match this is the special singles match. Shun Skywalker versus Kota Minora. If Skywalker loses, he must leave Masquerade, and Masquerade will vacate the Triangle Gate belts.
0: This is the match I'm most looking forward to. I think this is a fast-editing matchup that could go either way. I'm a man that's made a lot of big predictions on this podcast tonight, but I'm going to turn the tables and flip it over to you real quick. Who's coming out on top here?
2: I think that the the person that's going to indicate what's going to happen here is the person who's not, or the people that aren't in this match at all. I shouldn't say person. The people. And that's Yuki Yoshioka and the former Dragon Daya. I feel like this is your uh, capital S storyline match of the show. I think that that's pretty clear here. And if it ends up that we're not going to have uh, anything from Yoshioka or Daya, I think I think Shin Skywalker wins. However, I could see this being something where Yoshioka gets involved and Koda gets penned by Shun and you were starting to see like the weird alliance, like the Mexico alliance coming out there. Daya being furious about losing his mask, turning on Shun, getting him out of Masquerade, and then him kind of leaving Masquerade as well. I could see that. It, it it's just like, this is like the coin flip match because I feel like there's so many variables case. Like, do you see Yoshioka and Dia playing a role here? Or am I just reading too much into the text of the match earlier this month?
0: I hope they don't. And if they do, I really hope it's after the bell, but it does seem like a match where those two are going to get involved. And that's unfortunate because this should just be a great match. And then we should deal with whatever the fallout is. After the fact, I feel pretty confident in the idea that Shun Skywalker is winning this match only for the reason that one, I think him winning doesn't mean anything to masquerade. I doubt masquerade as we know it exists in February or March. I think Shun is winning, but this unit is on its very last legs. I think after the year Menora has had, and it has been such a remarkable year where this guy has been in Diamante, in Yamato, in Mochizuki, and Ata in singles matches on TV. Minora needs to get beat. because uh, m- Most importantly, just because we've already done Yamato versus Minora. So if Minora beats Shun here, he's just at the top of the card with nobody to wrestle. And if he beats Shun here then where do they go next? Obviously, you have Dragon Daya and you have Yuki Oshiyoka, and Those are two guys that are going to dictate this feud going forward. But it does seem like Minora, at least to me, needs to be working underneath. He needs to be fighting for that eventual victory over Shun. And I think it would be disappointing if it happened here. I think the more interesting story is Shun winning and then this unit self-destructing or Shun turning heel early in 2022.
2: Yeah, it it's something that that's why I think it's the storyline match, but you raise up an interesting point that this is probably the time where Minenora can afford to lose the fall or else you have the question of, well, he's beaten he's not beaten Shin Skywalker now. Uh who else is there really left for him to beat other than Yamato? You know, like eventually he has to lose a high profile match that's not a Triangle Gate match or Night Dream Gate match. So it makes perfect sense here and I think that unless we get that interference, I think that's what we're going to see and I think you're dead on that. I, I, I wouldn't put a date, like anticipated uh, DOA date, but if they're around after Memorial Gate, I'd be stunned in this I, fashion with these five members.
0: There's two Cork and Halls in January, and I would be a little surprised if they're existing after that second Corken and Hall show.
2: Man, I just wish they'd find a stable to stick with a purple theme. I really like the purple this year. I got the purple tracksuit.
0: You know, I I love a lot of the masquerade merchandise, and I'm already, you know, 6'2", and I wear an extra large, so it's not like shirts from Japan fit. And then I look at some of these masquerade shirts, and I go, man, a, a man of my size cannot be wearing this much purple, let alone a purple shirt that it was probably going to be too tight and too short anyway. So I, I enjoy the masquerade merchandise from afar, but it is not for me.
2: Hey, I mean, that's the problem with the Japanese, uh, too west uh merch when you go for x on an xl or even a size up after you hit about Larts, they do not get longer they just get wider
0: it kills me i i need they've got the pro wrestling tees account but it's all shirts from 2014 i i need that to be updated uh in a a very bad way
2: i i i with pro wrestling tees right now i would not advise anyone to you know
0: or just change your password if you have a Pro Wrestling Tees account. I would highly advise that as someone... Just in general. As, as someone whose debit card was recently hacked and someone who recently made a purchase from Pro Wrestling Tees, I'm starting to connect some dots, and I would change my Pro Wrestling Tees password if you haven't already.
2: Yeah, this is a public advisory warning from your old pals, Mike and Case. Uh, match seven, the last non-title match on the show. We have a three-man, 6 a three-way six-man tag team match. I'm assuming since they did a three-way tag that was two false that this one might be a two-falls match as well. It's natural vibes versus high-end versus red, kz, big boss shimizu, jackie funky kame versus dragon kid and ben akuda and benke versus ata bb hulk and kaido ishida.
0: So I studied this match hard. I looked at the participants, I looked at their history together. I looked at at what this match could possibly mean and I found zero through lines. I found zero dots to connect. I found zero intentions that they're trying to tell a larger story. I think and I hope that this is just going to be a really, really good match. Definitely in the high ceiling, low floor category of, hey, if, if this is a four and a quarter star match, we're probably cooking with gas. If this is a three and a half star match, it's probably been a disappointing show. But I- am I missing something here? Is there a bigger story being told or is this just leftovers, but the leftovers happen to be main event guys?
2: I mean, you could very easily build up a January quirk in defense with, uh, someone getting two straight falls for their team with some of the, uh, big player guys. I mean, KZ you might not be doing that, but Shimizu, I mean, you've talked about Shimizu looking like a future Dreamgate challenger. If he gets the fall in Benke and Aita, you know, I mean, that pretty much would set him up there or even like Ben K and BB Hulk. You know, what I mean, like like there's enough there that he could probably move his way up the theoretical Dragon Gate rankings if he were to get those two falls there. And along the same lines, I mean, Ben K's out of the question now. Dragon Kid would be out. I, I mean, the high end team, I just like look at this and unless they're going to be the next trial gate challengers, I don't see necessarily what you have to gain with them winning. Whereas Ata Ata might be due another title shot soon. I mean, it's been over a year. You might want to hold out towards the end of twenty twenty two, but Ata gets wins over KZ and Benkei or Shimizu and Dragon Kid, that's enough, you know, to really say that he could figure himself into the Dreamgate situation there. So I, I think the main event players thing kind of might be the be the throw line if you want to develop one. Other big thing is highest position on a card on a big show for Jackie Funky Kamei. And I think that that's kind of noble considering people in the semi-main
0: event. Let's go back to that Ada point for a second. You brought up something that I hadn't thought of that I think is really interesting. The calendar's about to turn over to 2022. We've talked since Yamato won the belt about how he's in desperate need for challengers because yes, the idea of your top star winning the biggest belt for a record-setting time on the biggest show in the promotion's history because of Yoshino retiring, how that makes sense in a vacuum, but there's a real lack of opponents that make sense going forward, and that is kind of the battle that we've had during this entire Yamato run, and it doesn't help that the times that the, he's had opponents that make sense, they've gotten to them in incredibly confusing and difficult ways. But Yamato versus Ata is the match that, I really want to see from this reign because it happened once in 2013 and then it happened in King of Gate in an empty arena in 2020. But those are realistically your two biggest stars and that is a fresh match. That is something that has not been tapped into uh, in any sort of legitimate way. Obviously, Millennials versus Matt Blankey was a lifetime ago and King of Gate 2020, for all intents and purposes, does not count. But for Ata to get into a position where he can challenge for the dream gate to where it makes sense in the calendar of this promotion is going to be an uphill battle because would you agree that Aita versus Yamato, unless they really wanted to treat the fans is too big of a match for Cork and Hall.
2: Oh yeah, no, it, it would be unless it, it's your first show back to hundred percent capacity and you want to go for the 1750 it's probably too big for Cork and Hall. It's just something that that's a match they haven't run. And for Yamato's ring, you just kind of look at this and you're like, Ata would make a lot of sense, but also Ata would make sense as the person taking the belt off him. So yeah, you, you might not have him do that things at the beginning of 2022. But if I was but, going but, to make a go but, ahead, uh,
0: we're sorry to cut you off, but would you also say the same thing that it's too big for Osaka number two for champion gate?
2: Oh Yeah. Oh, yeah. A- unless it's full capacity again, because you can get 1,200 into number two.
0: And even then, that's a match that can draw more than 1,200. I mean, that seems like right. it would be, they'd be cutting their knees off, which then puts you in a position to where now, okay, the next big venue is dead or alive. It's Nagoya. That's where the cage match is. It seems very unlikely just in the context of Dragon Gate, it seems very unlikely that we're going to have a cage match that both Yamato and Eita aren't in. It seems like a safe bet that you would put one of those guys in there, which then puts us at Kobe World, and it puts us at one year, which just, I don't know why the idea of this Yamato reign lasting for an entire year annoys me, but it does. And now Yamato versus Eita, I mean, that is is a Kobe World caliber main event. But, man, that seems like a long time to hold off on that match. You have seven months to get there, and I don't think you have enough challengers for Yamato to get there.
2: Yeah, because at a certain point, then you're going to be having to dip into the veteran well, you know? Because you're... SPK versus Yamato, that's way too soon. I mean, unless that's your Kobe World Main Event and he goes Royal Road, you know, (laughs) which we can...
0: Look, that match is coming, I think it's coming in 2023. We'll talk about that more with the Twin yeah. Gate match. But I like where your head's at, Mike. Right?
2: Yeah. It's because, but, but, like, this is the thing we're going to talk about. Like, it makes sense. Like, Ata versus Yamato Kobe World. Absolutely. Getting there. You're going to at least have three title defenses in 2022. I would say, if you're not doing one in January, you're definitely then have Champion Gate, Memorial Gate. They've been playing Dr- Dream Gate matches at maybe one between then and dead or alive dead or alive might have a defense might not but you're looking probably at about three title defenses and pole's looking a little thin already pole is looking a little thin and unless you want to do a misaki mochizuki title match which hey that could be a corking main event for <laughs> sure uh it, it, it's going to be interesting how they would get to the exit rant for Yamato because I do think that we're talking about this being like the, the last, like the next last big run for him. You know, I mean, this is the record breaking one. As you said, you don't want it to be like a chump change run. So it going a year makes a lot of sense. It's just getting to the year mark. That is so difficult.
0: Ah, man, this Yamato run is such a bummer because I like everything else, uh, everything else in this promotion so much, but we will cross that bridge when we come to it, this is an interesting match. Like you said, for possible triangle gate implications, the twin gate match, Mike, this is the match that I think both of us have a lot to say about.
2: Yeah. So this is the open twin gate championship match, new generation, Doi Yoshi, Nuruki Doi and Takashi Yoshia versus the RED young mastermind team. Kind of, you know, like young gun team. I think that's fair to say of SB Kento, the open, the brave gate champion. And we'll talk about his title defense in a moment, and Hyo, and the biggest match of Hyo's career.
0: So, I, oh, Mike Spears, I love you so much because you just segued into what I want to talk about uh, in a, a tremendous, tremendous degree. I was going to ask you, is this the biggest match of Hyo's career? You seem to think yes.
2: Yeah, just because the Bravegate match, even though that's Osaka number two. That's not a big five show. This is the semi main event and the uh, large, probably the third biggest show of the year. You know, I mean, of course, Kobe World in a normal year would be number one this year. Speedstar Final obviously supersedes it, but then you probably have Dangerous Gate or not Dangerous Gate. Gate of Destiny is the next one behind that. And then really, Final Gate is either number two or number three. So I, I would consider that bigger than main eventing Night One of Champion Gate.
0: So if you go through Hyo's career and we're we're just past the 5 year anniversary of his debut he debuted August 14th 2016 the big moments in his career and you can go year by year because up until very recently there weren't a ton there's obviously something you can point to 12 1, 16 the rookies versus veterans tag that Mike and I have waxed poetically about for 5 years now. Hyo was a featured player in that match. I believe we compared him to having Shima-like chemistry, which is coming back around, Mike. I I'm glad that we didn't abandon that take because as the the foremost Hyo positive podcast, we are starting to turn into the being on the right side of history, which I really enjoy. So, 2016, Hyo has that match which was, I think, third on a Corken Hall show. On December 20th, 2016, Hio was in the main event of the Corken Hall show, but that is a Doi-Darts match. Would you say that wrestling for the Open the Twin Gate title at Final Gate is bigger than being the 12th guy in a 12-man tag team match that is Doi-Darts?
2: Yeah, because Punch Hominaga had a Doi-Darts match that we talk about really fond- fondly. You know, like, and we don't talk about. <laughs> and, and he's been in title matches, but not in this ninety six. No, though he has had a twin gate match at a final gate, though. To be fair,
0: well, we're we're gonna get to that. So, or I guess punch did. Yes, what, what was that? The what was the? There was a punch match at final gate that you really liked that I think is a terrible match. What was that?
2: It was Punch and Gamma. I think it was 2017 for the Twin Gate belts. I, I forget who the Twin Gate was. Did they wrestle
0: was. Yamato and Cyber Kong? Was that the match?
2: I mean, that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> I mean, given the time and the people involved in, around the Twin Gate scene, I think so. But I distinctly remember I, I, we're going to cage match. We're an in, we're in hour or two. The, the, that's accepted here all right it was, doi,
0: it was it was final gate 2015 it was gamma and punch versus one of the greatest tag teams of all time naruki doi, and yamato and that yeah, is unequivocally that is the worst doi yama match there is that match is horrible mike
2: that match is 18 minutes and 23 seconds of Ugh. absolute bliss it was fantastic I, I i don't know what your problem is it it it, it, it should be on your punch to monogamous, and i don't understand why not
0: Okay, well let's let's not get distracted because I have a number of matches I want to go through here as it pertains to Hyo's career. We can both agree that this Twin Gate match, just because of the position on the card, is bigger than 12-116, and it's a bigger deal overall than being a guy in a doi dart's main event. In 2017 and 2018, there is just not a lot going for Hyo. He's working dark matches, he's injured, he's on the undercard. It's just there's not a lot going on for him. It's not until March 7th of 2019 in and Hall where he finds himself in another and main event. This is a four-way 16-man tag team match with him and Mochizuki Dojo, Tribe Vanguard, Natural Vibes, and RED in a match that features Pac, Eta, uh Yamato, Shun Skywalker, KZ, among others. In a 16-man match, it seems like Hyo might have been the 16th most important guy in this match would you say that this twin gate match at final gate is a bigger match than that headlining cork and hall main event
2: yeah because he was kind of him and Manora were the bottom rank members of mochizuki dojo so easily easily higher rank match
0: so you start to see his career turn around in 2019 he has that main event in march in 2019 he works third from the top at dead or alive Losing a Triangle Gate match, R.E.D., Sakamoto, Yoshida, and Kanda defeat Hyo, Minora, and Mochizuki in a Triangle Gate match. That year as well, he has a Dangerous Gate match that he also wrestles for the Triangle Gate belts. That is the third match on the show. Him, Minora, and Yoshioka lose to the Strong Machine Army. And if that wasn't enough, he goes third from the top at Final Gate 2019 in a three-way elimination match where he wins his first title of his career. It's Diamante, Hyo, and Yoshida defeating the Strong Machine Army and Natural Vibes in a three-way elimination match. Hyo is not involved in either of the pinfalls that uh, lead to eliminations, but it is third from the top at final gate. Would you make an argument that any of those three triangle gate matches are bigger matches than this twin gate match?
2: Well, that Trial Gate match at Final Gate was his first ever title win. Am yes. I right?
0: Yes, that is correct.
2: So that to this point, I would put that number two behind the Brave Gate match that you'll talk about in a minute. But no, I would say that this Twin Gate match coming up on the 26th is bigger than that.
0: There's an interesting wrinkle here because it happened at Final Gate. It happened second from the top and it is a match that we referenced earlier in this podcast, you have to remember that Hiyo was a member of the R.E.D. vs. Toriumon Generation. No disqualification, unit disbands match that happened at the end of 2020. That is possibly a bigger match than this, but Hiyo was one of the least important guys in that match. That was a match centered around SB Kento and Hip Hop Kakuta and Dragon Kid, far more than it was yo, would you at least say that there's an argument that that match could be bigger than the twin gate match in which do you think is the bigger of the two matches
2: the unit spans match is the bigger match but as you mentioned hyo again was like the 10th most important person in that match like it like he was there because Ata made a big deal it was going to be Ata and the young guys it was not going to be Oh, it was not going to be Yoshida it was not going to be Diamante It was not going to be Sakamoto, but he was kind of like, he, he was batting ninth on that team.
0: I completely agree. And then that leads us to 2021. He worked second from the top in champion gate in Osaka. The first night this year, he lost to Kaisuke Akuda. The headline uh, headlining match on that show was the triangle gate match, natural vibes versus RED. And then also this year he wrestled uh, in the opening match, of Dangerous Gate 2021, a Triangle Gate match in which he won the titles, him, Eita, and Ishida, beat Dragon Dia, La Astrea and uh, Jason Lee. And then finally, Gate of Destiny this year, he once again worked third from the top, defending the Triangle Gate belts against the high-end trio of Binkei, Dragon Kid, and Kagatora. Unless you shock me with an argument, I think you would say that all of those matches are not as big as what is the biggest match of Hyo's career, this Open the Twin Gate title match at Final Gate 2021.
2: Yes, and I forgot that he did not main event that. Usually the singles matches main event Champion Gate, but it was the Triangle Gate this year. So uh, undoubtedly now, now there's no claim. It, this is the biggest match of his career coming up.
0: And I think at the match, I, I will make another bold prediction here that is going to win. I think we're going to be entering 2022 with Hyo as a, a Twin Gate champion for the first time, and SB Kento as both the BraveGate and TwinGate champion.
2: Yeah, it just seems like that that SB Kento as double champion, especially singles and a tag team champion in Dragon Gate, is such a remarkable feat that that, that that's something that wasn't even on our uh, SB Kento future race checklist case. That was something that was kind of inconceivable, right?
0: It's, so it's certainly not a possibility that I ever imagined. It, it's not exactly conquering the world, but it's another part of his quest that I did not see coming.
2: Yeah. The, the, this is him discovering a new Island. We didn't know existed. Basically this isn't conquering, but this is going like, Hey, uh, came across this. Is this on a map anywhere? no, okay, this is my... I, I found it first then. Like, that's what this is, basically. So, yeah. Uh, it It's also something that, like, you look at Doi and Yoshida, and you look at now Doi clearly making his direction known. Unless Yoshida is a hidden young hot boy, there might not be a much of a use for him to be around Naruki Doi, though I think him being a member of the International House of Hot Boys would be tremendous.
0: I feel like Yoshida is grandfathered into that system, and because he's already friends with Doi, like Yoshida is the duff in the situation. He's the designated ugly friend. Where Doi's like, well, yeah, he's not, he's not one of the hot boys, but he's also he's my boy, so he's got to stick with us.
2: I, I, he's hot on the inside where it
0: counts. <laughs> oh God, that hurt my feelings.
2: <laughs> but I mean, he's also could be the social media strategy guy. I mean, he is a YouTuber. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Takashi Yoshida's just vlogging Hot Boys in twenty twenty two.
2: I mean, I, I until until I get the international house of a Nurky Doy's House of Hot Boys t shirt, until that becomes a thing. I'm just gonna keep on down this path and I guess Yoshida's lumped into it now as well
0: we need to pay for a commission maybe that's my christmas present to you is i'm gonna pay topla to to get you an international house of hot boys graphic going on because they <laughs> they kill it with literally all of the art they do and it might be worth paying just to see the ruby international house of hot boys coming to life
2: yeah and they ought to be bellhops they all have to be you know we're doing this old school uh like you've been in, you've been inside a crispy cream correct
0: have i been inside of krispy kreme mike spears i am a fat kid at heart i, I destroy krispy kreme at any opportunity
2: all right well thank you i am glad that you're on the right side of history of being pro krispy kreme uh i they all have to have the little hats that you get at krispy kreme you know what i'm talking about like that has to be a <laughs> part of this we're, we're, we're going real like good humor man style this
0: there is a Krispy Kreme store, uh, my, my listeners out west might be aware of this, there is a Krispy Kreme store on Crenshaw Boulevard in Inglewood, California, and when I am there, I am probably at my happiest, that is peak slow hours, is in Inglewood at a Krispy Kreme's, to use a phrase I used earlier, shoveling donuts down my gullet, that is about as happy as I can possibly be
2: hey, I mean, there's few things better than a fresh Krispy Kreme donut. And Inglewood, California, the best locale, I guess. I mean,
0: (laughs) sure. The donut capital of the world.
2: (laughs) I mean, there are a lot of donut shops out in Southern California. So, you know, you might not be far off on that. Uh, I I did find out something kind of interesting this week. This kind of pertains into the match. Uh, We talked about this last week, the Nagoya match between... Uh, natives. Uh, SB Kento and UT for the Brave Gate. Well, SB Kento retained that match. As of time of recording, it's not up on the network. If it's not on the network by by final gate, I would be stunned. But the big news case coming out of Nagoya, yet again, a incredible house for Dragon Gate, and was become one of their, if not their biggest city, not on the TV rotation, one of the biggest.
0: That's a fascinating point. I, I I guess unfortunately, we're probably the information the the people that would have that information other than Jay. But I would love to know what to know what their biggest market is that isn't televised because at this point it certainly seems like it's Nagoya.
2: So based off of your Tohoku talk a couple of weeks back, pulled up some data about people running Nagoya. So Nagoya is not a small area. This is not like Tohoku, which is a smaller population center, Nagoya you know, is not in in the sticks. It's a major city. Dragon Gate did 713 in Nagoya on the 19th. And comparing it to other promotions, just to say New Japan always runs the prefectorial gem. They ran it most recently for Best of the Super Juniors, 725. But then Dragon Gate, with the exception of Noah, no one is within 150 tickets of Dragon Gate in Nagoya. Stardom did a double header in October with 350 and 370. DDT, the uh, same weekend as the, uh, the, uh, the Brave Gate match with Susumi Yokosuka showing up for DDT, 484. Tokyo Joshi Pro did 536, but it's worth noting that t- jok- Tokyo Joshi Pro has, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try not to botch her name. I do not watch as much uh, Tokyo Joshi as I used to. Yuki Arai, I think is her name. She just won the Rookie Award but she is a former member of, I think she still might be a member, of a big idol group. Uh, case, are you familiar at all with AKB48? Uh,
0: no, I'm not. Okay,
2: so that is the that is the huge, that there was like a idol boom based off of AKB48. There is a Nagoya chapter of it that she was a member of, and she was featured very heavily in that, and she was in the main event in Nagoya. They did uh 536 with that noah did 618 two weeks ago and then all japan did 425 during the real world tag league so dragon gate yet again they, they find places that aren't necessarily targeted by the tokyo based promotions and have really started to develop it into like new japan just with how wrestling is in japan they're going to outdraw everyone but dragon gate has made sure to make their number two in Japan claim really well-known with the first Tohoku and now 713 in Nagoya, where it was an overflow audience in Nagoya. Like, they might have to find a new building next time.
0: The only other thing I'll add to this discussion, because you you hit on a few points that I love here, of SP Kento being it's seemingly already a legitimate drawing card, During it continuing their expansion outside of Tokyo and how they seem to dominate wrestling outside of tokyo uh, with the exception of new japan the other thing that i'll point out is on september 20th gleet ran the nagoya city sports center and drew 230 fans just to put the Drangate to gleet comparison in perspective
2: i did not know that nagoya actually 2.296 million people a lot of people a lot of people not much smaller than osaka actually
0: And I I am assuming, as of the time we're recording this, which is December 21st in the evening, uh, we have not gotten the SB Kento versus UT Bravegate match from that Nagoya show, given that SB Kento versus Kagatora went up on the network this summer from that same venue and that this is a much bigger match. I'm assuming it will be up on the network, hopefully before Christmas, but as of the time of uh, of recording, it is not up there.
2: Right, no, I have not seen it up there. Uh, Nagoya, now that I'm looking at population maps is the fourth largest city in japan did not know that
0: well you listen to open the voice gate two smart guys you will learn a little bit about japanese geography won't you
2: tokyo yokohama osaka then nagoya sapporo's number five fukuoka number six so there we go tied it all back into final gate there we go up main event time case
0: (laughs) well done mike spears a professional host
2: I mean, hey, we're hitting our transitions very well tonight. Like, we're we're not stumbling over the hurdles here. Uh, main event match 9. Open the Dreamgate Championship match. Yamato going for his fourth defense against Kai. The story of Dragon Gate case since Dangerous Gate 2020 was Yamato and Kai. Is this going to be it for good, Case? According
0: to storyline, it is. According to storyline, if Yamato beats Kai, Kai has to leave him alone for a little bit.
2: He was supposed to leave him alone and after July, and he's still stuck around in August about this, man.
0: This is, this is a... It's such a bummer that this is the feud that Drangate has put so much time and energy into. This is a three-year build With the Yamato versus Kai tag team, Kai injuring B.B. Hulk, B.B. Hulk turning, then Kai turning, and then this Yamato versus Kai rivalry that has lasted the entire year. This is a three-year story that is going to conclude on this show, and I just do not care about it.
2: The match itself will probably be three and a half to four and a quarter, but just no interest really to the storyline. I'm just kind of, I, I want to see this match like exceeds my expectations in any fashion, but I also know, I feel like we've already seen the best version of this match in the no ropes match.
0: I have given every Yamato defense four or more stars this year, despite the fact that I've hated the build to every single Yamato match this year, or at least during this Dreamgate run, actually, because I really enjoyed Yamato for the first half of the year and in ring, there have been very few wrestlers better than Yamato this year, but I have found the storyline aspect of his Dreamgate run to be abysmal. But I have, I have no reason to think this won't be a great match. They killed it in July and Yamato has had great Dreamgate defenses against everybody that he's wrestled. It's, it's mind numbing. It's the most f- mentally exhausting title run in all of wrestling, but I have no reason to think this match won't be great.
2: Yeah. And that's the Yamato conundrum, right? like, The mat, everything leading up to the match is frustrating. That they they sometimes get to where we feel like that they've been leaning towards with like Minanora in the most circuitous fashion possible. But more often than not, it's been confounding. The Benke title defense that happened only because Yamato forgot to mention Benke. BB Hulk not really wanting a title match until finally uh, he gets fired up and having a title match. And now Kai. Just a. Wild start of the uh the landmark t- Dreamgate run, and all the matches have been solid to good to great. Like the only match that was not good or was not as good as the under standard under under the Dreamgate standard was the bizarre finish to the BB Hulk match. And, and I just, lo-
0: and I loved that match up until the finish.
2: Yeah, so like I I think it's fair to say that. Case, and you've been going for a lot of upsets today, but I'm willing to say that we're both like 95% Yamato's retaining here, right?
0: Well, let's look at history for a second, Mike. Starting in 2008, Dragon Gate began running Final Gate in Fukuoka. And during that stretch, we've seen 11 different Dreamgate matches headline this show. And yes, we are going to go through them one by one, partially because there are some incredible Final Gate main events that I forgot about in terms of the names and people wrestling for the Dream Gate belt. But also, let's see if there is a historical edge to perhaps there being a new Dreamgate champion at this event. Because if you start in 2008, this is the match where Naruki Doi beat Shingo to win to open the Dreamgate belt. 2009, there was not a Dreamgate match. The main event was a cage match in which Yoshino got his head shaved. And then in 2010, uh, giving him a full year of redemption, Masaru Yoshino retains his Dreamgate belt over Naruki Doi. So from 2008 to 2010, there's two defenses, one title change, one uh, title retain. 2011, shima ends masaki mochizuki's legendary Open the dream gate run so we are at a point now where there have been two times where the dream gate belt has changed hands in 2012 shima is still the champion he defends the belt in a three-way match over bb hulk and shingo takagi mike before i continue your thoughts on shima versus hulk versus shingo in that three-way
2: it, it's a match that weirdly enough like i remember distinctly like the first uh four matches you mentioned there this one, I remember more because this was supposed to be that Kobe world main event that didn't happen because Shima broke his neck. But I remember the match like and this was kind of the storyline leading up to this. This was Shima's uh, record-breaking length of title run. And he got to a point where he basically was like, you two guys are supposed to be the ones to take the belt from me. I Or you, you, Shingo, you've been disappointed with champion. Hulk, you've not even been able to win the belt here. I'm taking you on both at the same time.
0: I feel like the post match is far more legendary than the actual match, because this is where, if I have, if my memory serves me correct, this is where after the show, Shima went outside the building in the snow right. in the dead of winter. And it was, I mean, it was like Jesus was speaking to these people, the way they hung on to Shima's every word. It was star power in a way that I really feel like we don't see all that often in wrestling. I, I it's, You know, part of the reason I think Shima's a slam dunk Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Famer, that guy, after the Final Gate 2012 main event, that was a superstar right there.
2: And then he jumped in and they crowd surfed him.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, that was a a tremendous moment there. So 2008, there's a Dream Gate change. 2010, there's not. 2011, there is. 2012, there's not. 2013, Masato Yoshino retains over BB Hulk. 2014, BB Hulk retains over Shingo. 2015, Shingo retains over Shima, one of the all-time great matches in Dragon Gate history. 2016, Yamato retains over Naruki Doi, so there's a big stretch here where the champions retain their title belts. Mike, I'm going to ask you real quick, lightning round, do not look at cage match. What was the Dream Gate match at Final Gate 2017?
2: 2017 was this one the Yamato versus uh, Yamato versus Kong? Maybe.
0: No. If that was, if that was, if Yamato versus Kong was the main event of Final Gate 2017, we would not be doing this podcast now. I would have stopped watching Dragon Gate. But the main event wasn't much better. Masaki Mochizuki retained over Rio Saito. Do you have any memory of this?
2: Oh right, yeah. Now I remember this. I I forgot. I forgot that the. Uh, uh mochizuki title change happened at dangerous gate that year uh yeah because he had like a really like the start of mizaki mochizuki's title run was really cool because he had like yamato's best match of that title run when he took the belt from him then he had an awesome match against susumu at gay destiny and it was like well i guess that's now ryo saito and it's like ryo Saito's being serious again for the first time in four years okay and the match was like okay it just was not like a banger and out of and out of misaki mochizuki dream gate matches it's easily on the lower third because it wasn't a banger
0: yeah i love big match saito and this was not exactly a vintage big match saito performance so we have this big stretch here after after the odds are are pretty much 50 50 through the first four years 2012 through 2017 there was no dream gate changes in the main event 2018, there is no Dreamgate match. That is the uh, hair versus hair match between Drankid and Ata, where Drankid won. And then in 2019, one of uh, my personal favorite shows of all time, just because of what it represented in the company with Lenny Leonard and Larry Dallas and Jay calling the action in English, Naruki Doi shocked us all. He defeated Ben K. He won the Dream Gate belt there. And then a year later, Ben K. once again lost in the main event this time to Shun Skywalker. So in the 11 Dreamgate matches that have headlined Final Gate, there have been three title changes, so just about 27% overall. I would say Kai is going to lose this match, and Yamato is going to make him just another statistic.
2: Yeah, and the other thing about Final Gate, not only does Champion retain, it's more often than not a babyface champion winning, or like, because they like having like a good time leading off with like, final and that's what made final gate last year so discordant was you had the idea that toryabon generation ended and then you had the bingk injury in the main event so yeah the, the only
0: the only strong heel victories that you can point to you can make an argument for 2011 it is shima although he was blood warriors it certainly seemed like a split reaction and then the definitive heel victory at final gate shingo over shima in 2015 in the silence now fukuoka is a notoriously dead crowd anyways but the silence that fell over that building when shingo Pinshima with the last falconry and the salute to the crowd at the end one of the all-time great finishes i I love that so much but yes history points to this being a babyface victory and a champion retaining their belt at this show
2: yeah and it's just like you can't you can't go into a title match thinking that the challenger has zero chance of winning. It's just the the situations and the scenarios here, it just makes it so unlikely unless uh, Force Majeure for Kai to win this match. And that's another issue about the Yamato run. It's just like not really having the doubt in it that like it felt like that Ata for a while, his defenses, there was a little bit of doubt there. Then when Shun showed up, it's like, okay, that's a title change there. Shun I mean, you looked at the uh the doubleheader at Kobe World Kenan Hall, and you walked into both of those matches. You can make an argument for him losing there. So, like the so he had matches with doubt. I don't think Yamato's had a single title defense that the that that the uh, champion was in any threat of really losing the belt. Like there was no expectation to think, oh, they might do the title change here. There's just no expectation. To, and as you listed, there's no history to really make you think that they're going to go if Kai as Dreamgate champion.
0: No, Kai, Kai winning the Dreamgate belt would mean that, one, I would, because you're not going to watch the show live, I'm going to attempt to watch this show live, I would spoil the main event for you, and then we would have to do breaking news audio, and that is my promise. If Kai wins this match, we will have a podcast done as soon as humanly possible, and I don't think that's going to happen, so I feel comfortable <laughs> saying that.
2: Yeah, I mean it would be me podcasting into a lap a laptop microphone. I'm not bringing equipment, so like it would be Same that here. it would be that kind of breaking news. Real, just for two audio production guys, it would be like the most like to just clown car show if we're doing stuff through microphones like that.
0: I'm on my parents' porch. It's 32 degrees outside, and I'm yelling about Kai winning the Dreamgate build into a laptop microphone. It's the lowest point of my life.
2: <laughs> I'm sitting in the bonus room at the Spears compound, just like trying to calm down Pudge while I'm trying to shout about what the fuck's going on here hold into on, my hold laptop. On,
0: hold, on, hold on. What is a bonus room?
2: You, you know, like a game room, like a den. Okay, like, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: that makes sense. I was trying to figure out what the hell a bonus room was. That sounds awesome.
2: <laughs> that That's the generation gap right there. Like, you, you, you get to a point where, like, you're looking for, like, like and you look at like, layouts. Like, they will call stuff bonus rooms, and that's the easiest way to describe where I record when I go visit family. <laughs> There's a Jason Kidd signed t- Dallas Mavericks jersey behind me as I record, which... The, 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 as as history goes on, the more I look at that jersey, I go, oh, it might be worth seeing if anyone wants to take that off y'all's hands at this point.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope that you're not forced, uh, forced to record a podcast in the bonus room on December 26th, because I think Yamato is going to retain this belt.
2: Yeah. So then really that that's why I feel like, like that Skywalker menorah is so important because that's going to be a big kind of, uh, tip of the hat to what direction they're going to go to. They'll tip their hand a little bit there. And you, even the Twin Gate match, you have some of that as well, but there's just not a... There's really even... It's hard to even really preview this match. Like, like I don't know like what else we could really talk about it at this point.
0: Well, think about, you know, Shun Minora, there's so much to sink your teeth into. SP Kento and Hyo versus Doi Yoshi, there's so much to sink your teeth into. The Rookies matches are exciting... On their own Diamante versus Estrella even has interesting implications into it. And then this match is just there. And it's it's the it's you know, we're gonna repeat ourselves, but it's just it's the Yamato problem. It is a continued issue in this promotion that from month to month it is migraine inducing to get to Yamato's Dreamgate defense. And then that match turns out to be pretty good. And then we look like idiots for getting so worked up about it. This is certainly the biggest one where it's like, I don't know what this match is going to be, but they had a killer match in July. So I, I can't expect anything different here.
2: And, and I do have to say in the build-ups defense, this has been kind of the most uh, stereotypical Dreamgate build. I mean, he beat uh, Kai beat everyone in Sapporo to kind of have a legit claim so it's not like the weird family circus let's put Koda Menorah here because he's had a hot streak even though you've clearly been giving Koda Menorah big wins all year you know like this one at least makes sense it's just it's frustrating in a different manner
0: yeah like I said three-year build in the grand scheme of things it, it is really it should be a match that we're celebrating it should be a testament of storytelling but the build has been so weird. And also just because it's Yamato versus Kai, and it's not like those two consistently light the world on fire with one another. It's a match that we're indifferent at best about.
2: Yeah, that's fair to say. And that's a shame because the rest of the card, there's a lot of fun there and it's going to be really a solid way for them to end out their year. And then they will have the last of gate show, the fan appreciation show in Kobe and that will be do it for their 2021. The show on Kobe will be on next Tuesday, so we'll probably talk about that in the week after. We have some more fun things in the offing as Dragon Gate has a shorter uh, winter break this year. They'll be back on the 8th, if I'm right.
0: Uh, they are going to be back. Dragon Gate will return, or I guess rather they will start their year uh, on January 8th in Kyoto and then January 9th in Osaka number 2. And then the first... Uh, I guess not the first full week, but the week after that, they will be in Cork and Hall on both January 12th and January 13th.
2: So it's going to be a pretty busy schedule there, but we have some fun stuff that we will be doing in the hiatus case. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here tonight?
0: No, we have thoroughly previewed this card. We have talked about Mountain Dew. We have talked about bonus rooms. I have nothing else to offer to this podcast.
2: I mean, we, we can still talk about more ways to monetize a 1-year-old Labradoodle if you have any more. <laughs> if you have any more things. I mean, he is a proud member of the reservation family of products. So
0: That's all I got, Mike.
2: All right. So you can follow us on Twitter at openvoicegate cases at underscore in your case, I'm at fujihaya. Thanks for listening to Open the Voicegate. We'll be back next week talking about Final Gate 2021. Take care everyone. Have a good holiday.